Thank you guys so much for being here today. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know for many of us, our plans were altered and changed a little bit this year, um, but I hope that you still had the opportunity to spend the day with some loved ones. I know that our plans kind of got postponed and rearranged, so we're actually having our Thanksgiving after service today. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Noah, honey, can you grab the pup table? For, oh, oh, Pastor Abby's got it. Okay, awesome. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Carissa, and I am the youth pastor here. Thanks, Abby. I appreciate it. Um, and it has been a wild ride. My first year of youth ministry, I never expected to start and have a global pandemic hit and youth ministry to be so different from what I normally uh, would have expected, but it's still been a joy and an honor. And I'm just really thankful to wrap up the series today. And as I look out, I see my husband and my parents, and I have some special guests who made the journey today, and I appreciate it. But then as I look out, I see my church family. And whew, I might cry now, that way I just get it over with, and that way I don't cry later. You are a community that has loved me super well. I was born and raised here, and it's through your guys' actions that I'm standing here today, and I'm super appreciative of this opportunity, not only to preach and speak today, but to serve you all. With that being said, I do have one little special shout out for my BFF, Joe. Joe Ona is the most faithful friend I think I've ever had in my life. And no one could tell me when I was in seventh grade and we would stand and we would sing next to each other and you would tell me jokes that I didn't quite understand because they were like super clever and my, my humor wasn't there yet. But it, through consistently speaking with you and talking with you, my humor developed very well and we are so in sync and I appreciate your faithfulness and consistency in my life. The reason that I'm standing here today is because you invested into me. And while I wish that I could go and say wonderful things about all of you, that is not the reason that I'm standing here today. I'm here to wrap up the Ephesians series. So if you guys would turn with me to Ephesians 6, we are gonna start in verse 10 and we are gonna go till verse 18. So some of you are like, that's a lot of scripture. It is, but I am confident that together we will get through all of this. And it's my goal at the end of today that you would have a better understanding of the armor of God and that it would be daily applicable in your life. So before we dive in, I have just a little brief history and background about the book that's going to help us understand the message. So the book of Ephesians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul's writing in life is super fascinating and challenging. If you've been a Christian for a day, a week, a year, or all your life, and you have yet to fully dive into the life of ministry of Paul, I would urge you to do so. He has an amazing testimony of coming from not knowing Christ to knowing Christ and then faithfully following him 
with his life throughout the journey. And so if you're looking, you're like, well, that's really awesome, but where can I find out more about this Paul guy? Super glad you asked. You're gonna start in the Gospel of Luke, and then you're gonna follow it up with the book of Acts, and this is gonna give you an overall flyby of the life of Paul. And then you can continue to read through the prison epistles, Ephesians and Galatians, and a few other books, as he is a missionary and he's writing to people. And this is important because we wouldn't have the letter of Ephesians if he wasn't writing. And then the, an interesting fact about the book of Ephesians is that it was written while Paul was in prison. Now, Paul had several imprisonments. So, I mean, if you think that you're unworthy, Uh, to follow Christ or you're unworthy of speaking about him because of your past, throw that out the window (laughs) because you're never unworthy. And so it's particularly important to know that Paul was writing this in prison because he probably had a Roman guard that was wearing some form of armor. And if you haven't read the title of the book that we're reading today, we are talking about the armor of God. And so won't you please turn with me to Ephesians 6.10, and I will read this passage to you. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Again, a large chunk of scripture, but I'm going to do my best in the limited time that we have to break this down and make it super applicable. So for you guys today, I have six observations and one practical application because we can talk about scripture and I can point things out, but if we don't have a practical application that we can take to our everyday lives, then it's kind of meaningless. And I don't know about you guys, but we're not here to do meaningless things in this life. So won't you pray with me and then we'll dive right in. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for today and I thank you for this opportunity, God. Help us to open our hearts in our minds and in this moment, Lord, may we listen to your Holy Spirit and prompting. God, use me, use my words, and as I've prepared, help me to be clear and concise. And it is in your name I pray. Amen. All right. 
So we're just gonna start at the beginning with my first observation. Observation number one is that this is a metaphor. So as we've read this chunk of scripture and we know that Paul is writing to his friends, I like to think that Paul was a super literary dude. He knew what was going on um, and he was writing and he's telling his friends and fellow believers how to better follow Christ. And he's getting to the end of this letter and he's probably looking for a practical application. And so we've talked a lot in 2020 about the essentials. And Paul basically breaks down the essentials for Christian living. And he puts it probably because there was a guard and armor within his sight. He puts it to something that the people would know. And so I don't know about you, but when I became a follower of Christ, um, an armor didn't show up at my house. I mean, it'd be super cool if it did, but that didn't happen. If you happen to have armor, your life is probably way cooler than mine and we should connect after service. For sure, I wanna hear about why you have a full set of armor. But so this is a metaphor. So he's not literally talking about waking up and daily putting on these things, physical things. He's talking about a metaphorical thing, which takes us to observation two. With this armor, we are not fighting in it. And I know this sounds kind of confusing because whenever we think about armor, we think of a battle, right? But Paul says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against humans. We're putting on this armor to stand. And Paul clarifies that while the devil is mentioned in this passage, that there are supernatural and um, powerful forces of evil in the world, but it's not just one entity, that there are varying capabilities and authority. So Paul, in addressing this kind of spirit realm, is admitting that we live in a broken world and that we need to put on this armor, but we're not fighting in it. And then you might be thinking to yourself and asking, Carissa, if we're not fighting in this armor, then what are we doing? And again, you guys are super smart and you have awesome questions because observation three is what we do with this armor. The armor is to stand. It is to depend on the power of God. Paul's emphasis in this passage is standing. You can go through and you can count and he's telling us time and time again to stand in this armor. And it's saying that we don't need to depend on our own power. That as Kyle was mentioning, we have God with us. And so we're putting on this armor to stand. Observation number four, see, we're flying through these. You guys are looking, you're like, hey, we're gonna get out of here really quick. But, <laughs> hate to break it to you, but this observation has a little bit more to it. See, observation four is to stand, we need to fully understand the six pieces of armor. And so we have the six pieces of armor on the screen, and it's truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit. And for the next few minutes, we're gonna go and dive deeper, and I'm going to explain a little bit to you what these pieces of armor mean for us in our context today. So first we have the belt of truth. 
And this is knowing who we are in Christ. This is knowing that when we come to Christ, we have this new identity. This may be simple, but this is the truth that should ground us. This is the truth that helps us to stand. When we put on this truth, then our life begins to shift and our life begins to change, which is why Paul follows the belt of truth with the breastplate of righteousness. As we've read through Ephesians together, we continually hear Paul calling his believers, his fellow believers to a higher standard of living. And it is this higher standard that in light of God's righteousness, we are called to a greater righteousness. We are called to just living. We are called to right living. And as we are firm in our truth, we put on that righteousness. That way we can live. So we have our truth and we have our righteousness. And next he puts on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And so this one is, kind of interesting as I was reading. I was like, it's kind of choppy. I don't quite understand. And so I began to look at different commentaries and different, um, you know, different people that have spoken on this. And what I believe that Paul is saying here is he's telling fellow believers to prepare to share the good news of the gospel. And you can only share the gospel when you know it and have experienced it. And now I don't want you to think, well, I'm not a Bible scholar, I'm not a pastor, I can't share the gospel. No, that's not what I'm saying. Because when we encounter God and we say yes to a life with him and we um, change our identity, we, we begin to walk in this peace. And I don't think that it is a mistake that Paul is saying that we put this on our feet so that we can walk in this peace. And a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, which is beautiful, but someone that I know and who is way wiser than I am in conversation told me that the gospel is more than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's conception to ascension. So from the moment that the angel told Mary that she was going to have Jesus. This is where the gospel begins. And through the life of Jesus, his stories, his parables, through all of that to his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, that is the gospel. And there's a current theme throughout the entire story, which is peace. Jesus was a man of peace. And so Paul is telling to his friends to put the shoes, put the gospel of peace on and walk in that peace because we have the truth. We have the call to righteous living and now we have to walk it out. We have to share and prepare it. The next piece is the shield of faith. And to simply put it, the shield of faith is a trust like no other, to put faith in God. We are trusting in God's power and our role in our new identity. It is this faith that we take daily, that we have God, we have the Holy Spirit with us. 
always. You know, working with the youth, I see a lot of what older generations might call trust issues. And if I can advocate for them right now, I would say they're not a generation with trust issues. They're a generation that really wants to know the truth and they're gonna be skeptical until they experience it themselves. So if I could ask you guys to do anything for any of the youth in your life is engage in conversation openly about the truth because then their trust is going to build and ultimately they will take up that shield of faith. The next piece, so we have our belt of truth, breastplates of righteousness. We walk in the gospel of peace and we pick up our shield of faith and then we put on our helmet of salvation. And see, in Christianity today, a lot of times when we talk about salvation, we think of the particular moment in time in which we came to Jesus. And that is a beautiful and wonderful moment and we should share that and talk about that. But there is something more beautiful about the daily realization that we have our salvation. You see, we have the vulnerability of relationship with the resurrected Lord. And I use that word vulnerability very intentionally because a lot of times we talk about the power in relationship, but I don't know about you, but all of the life-giving, life-sustaining relationships that I have aren't based upon power dynamics. It's walking in vulnerability with one another. And it's taking on this salvation saying, God, I messed up today. I am super sorry. I totally, you know, cussed that guy out in my head or out loud on the highway. Like it wasn't my best moment. I'm so sorry, will you please forgive me? And it's in that, that daily we can take on the, the um, helmet of salvation um, because we have the relationship with the resurrected Lord. So we have the truth, the righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, we have salvation. And lastly, we have the sword of the spirit. We have the Bible, or so that's what most of us believe. But in the text, it actually says that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and now this is the part of my message that I have been a little bit nervous about. And I'm gonna ask for exponential grace from you all. And if something, if I say something that you're a little uncomfortable with, please approach me in conversation because I wanna foster this moment super, super well. So I think a lot of times we talk about the sword of the spirit and we get so hung up on our physical Bibles. And I don't think that that is what Paul was specifically talking about in his letter to the Ephesians. Because you see, they had the Torah written down at that time, but when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, the New Testament was still in writing. All that they had was the oral traditions being passed around. So when Paul is saying the word of God, I quite, 
I think he's quite literally talking about the words of Jesus, the gospel message, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and those that experienced him sharing these things. So it sounds, I see a couple nods. So maybe I haven't, uh, you know, pushed too hard. Maybe you guys don't want to stone me yet, which I'm super appreciative of that. Um, and for those of you that may be concerned that I don't have a love or an admiration for the Bible, fear not. I love the Bible. I love the Bible so much that I began to study it. I'm getting my degree in it. And I think that there is nothing more beautiful than reading from Genesis to Revelation, the story of a heavenly father who loved us so much that he continued to choose us. Through every twist and turn that our humanity threw at him, he continually made a way, right? From the Old Testament to the New, we read of this radical, undeserved love and grace from our heavenly father. So please read your Bible. <laughs> but where I think we're missing the mark is when we take the Bible that we have today and we begin to use it as a weapon. And now, I don't think we do this intentionally. I don't think we set out in our days to intentionally misuse the Bible, but we misuse it in little ways, like when we want someone to have the same standards that we have, yet their life circumstances look nothing like ours. It looks like when we want to tell someone the truth and love, yet there is no relationship there. It looks like reading, using scripture to reinforce our own opinions. These are all little ways that we misuse the Bible. And the way I like to think about it is this. I was a nanny for several years. Um, I've been around kids my whole life. I have my adorable nieces and nephew, and I know this, that if you give a child anything that resembles a sword, whether it's a stick, or sometimes it doesn't even have to look like a sword, they can just pick something up and they can get to swinging. And in their minds, they're slaying the dragons, they're fighting off the ogres and the pirates, they're saving the prince or the princess, but if you're an adult in the room, you know what's going on. Craziness is going around. And you're like, this is bad, they're gonna hit the lamp. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to grab that from them and take that away. But I see similarities with what Christians do with the Bible. We take verses, we take it, and we start slaying the dragons. We start fighting the pirates and the ogres and we start saving people in distress, or so we think. But really what we're doing is turning people away. You see, when the gospel, when the word, when the sword of the spirit, the word of God are used correctly, it builds and it does not break. And you see, it is all of these pieces together. It's the truth, it's the righteousness, the gospel of peace, it's the faith, salvation, and the word of God together that allows us to stand with God. You may be thinking, that's a lot. 
and it is. And you see observation number five is that all the pieces are to be put on daily together. This isn't something where we can pick and choose the flavor of the day. Paul is telling the Ephesians, and now through us reading, he's telling us that these are the things that are essential to Christian living. And it's not easy, but it's not that hard either. It's this weird tension of we have to have the intentionality to do it every single day. You may once again find yourself saying, but Chris, I can't do this. And I wanna say, friend, you totally can. And observation number six is that it's all done through prayer. In verse 18, Paul talks about how we have to pray and we have to pray in the spirit about these things. And it's easy to look at that list and be overwhelmed. I know as I was writing and I was preparing, I was like, this is a lot of information, but it really is essential. And see, we have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit. So this is coming and this is waking up daily and saying, God, I need you today. I need your truth. Help me to walk in righteousness. God, help me to walk in your gospel of peace. Lord, I don't know. Life has been really rough. I don't know if I have the faith today. Be with me. God, I've screwed up so much. Do you really even want me? And he whispers, yes, time and time again. You are mine and I am here for you. And see, I think Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to his friends to encourage them and say, you guys are doing great. It's one of Paul's only letters where he doesn't address the major problem happening within the church community. He wrote this as encouragement to the fellow believers. And so today, I hope that you're encouraged too. I hope that you can go throughout the rest of the week and that something in this message stuck out with you. And some of you may be saying, Krissa, didn't you say you had six observations and a practical application? You're right, I do. My practical application is really simple. It's to spend time in prayer with the Holy Spirit every day. My suggestion would be to wake up in the morning and just say, God, be with me. Invite the Holy Spirit to pair with you, to join with you, to abide with you, to help you to put on the pieces of armor so that you can stand, so that you can face the world around you, but not in this fear like, oh, I've got a face, but in this confidence that we have relationship with God. And so for the next few moments, I wanna make your practical application applicable to today. So I have a prayer that I have written that's on the screens here. And Pastor Abby is going to play and we're just going to sit for a few moments. And I would encourage you to take the next couple minutes and pray. Ask the Spirit to abide with you today. I'm kind of giving you a freebie. I'm 
I'm giving you time today to take this message and apply it. So if you don't know where to start, this is why I've written a prayer, is for something for you to kind of base off of, or maybe this isn't how you pray or connect with God, and that's okay. And it's gonna be a little quiet. So I'd suggest maybe finding a comfortable position and just for the next few moments, open yourself up to the Lord.